Welcome back to the Draft Nut Podcast. It's Jared Feinberg and Devin Jackson of Blue Chip Scouting, and we are your hosts for today. Devin, let me just say this. It's been a day. It's been a day, especially on Twitter. It's been a day. I mean, it's been a week, if we're being honest. Um, it's It's been insane, for sure. I mean, just a lot of the discourse, you know, a lot of former players, current NFL players, kind of their takes on what's going on in the world have been uh, extremely disappointing, to say the least. But uh, I don't know. I shouldn't – I don't know why I expect anything less from Twitter. It's – it's it's quite the quite the website for sure, but uh, but yeah, man, uh, definitely ready to talk some ball, um, and and kind of move forward from all all the things that have been happening. So, the reason I said today was a day, and like you pointed out, this week has definitely been a week. Uh, today has been a day because um, Aaron Rodgers, simple as that. Aaron Rodgers made this day a day he basically came out at his press conference just firing shots at the at the Packers front office basically opening up to the football world his displeasure for the front office just shooting at them left and right during the press conference Rodgers was also talking about wanting more say and input with the organization, not getting it, um, pondering retirement. Um, we, we saw um, Vegas books um, like preparing for a potential Rodgers retirement earlier in the week, and we were like, oh, my goodness, this is going to get crazy. Um, then uh, Rodgers was able to get Randall Cobb back. The trade was um, just has just been made official. We are recording this on Thursday, or not Thursday night. We're recording this on Wednesday night. So at this time, just a few minutes, about maybe 20 minutes ago, the Packers trade for Randall Cobb, who was with the Texans. Um, that trade is now official, and Cobb is back with the Packers. Um, and then also Rogers mentioned some other stuff, and I end up – going through re-listening to Rogers' press conference and really just writing down some of the main, uh, typing down some of the main quotes I have of, you know, um, some of the stuff that really, he, he really did point out from the press conference, some of the quotes, some of the main quotes um, that were highlighted. Um, and so, Devin, I'll, I want to start with you here. What were your thoughts of have you been able to go back and listen to Rogers press conference and really listen to what happened um, and what he was saying, um, some of the stuff he was implying, all that? What what were your what was your takeaway from that press conference? Well, I mean, basically, he came back to to try and win a championship, you know, and. Just, I mean, you could tell just from kind of his body language. I mean, there was a, a point where he said, you know, I love this team. I love this or and then he stopped himself because he's going to say organization, but he wanted to make sure that people knew that he didn't love what the organization was doing, you know, and he said he loves the fans and playing at Lambeau Field. Like basically he's saying he likes everything but the front office, which makes sense. I mean, they, they 
haven't made moves to really put him in position to win championships, uh, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Defense has come a long way. Like, they, they have some real talent on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, you got, um, obviously Jair Alexander, probably one of the best corners in, in the league. I uh, got the two edge rushers, I think it's Darius Smith and, um, can't think of the other uh, guy's name. Smith. Dur- yeah, Dur- Preston Smith. Yeah. So, you know, you got those two guys, obviously. Um, you know, second level could, could probably improve, but uh, overall they have a much better defense than, what they were putting out before, but now it's on the offense and they don't really have a true number two guy. You know, it's just Devontae Adams. And so that happens to him or he's double teamed. There's really no one else that can command anything uh, worth in, you know, those third and fourth type of uh, option guys. So it was cool that, you know, Randall Cobb came back in the fall, but I think for mainly for Aaron Rodgers and, I mean, a lot of great quarterbacks feel this way. They want to be surrounded by talent. You know, they want to have, uh, you know, guys that they can depend on, guys that can separate, you know, guys that can be second, op- true second options. There's a lot of third and fourth options right now on the Packers roster. So it's, it's just not going to work, you know, when the running game is uh, getting stopped. Devontae Adams is getting double teamed. I mean, he can only do so much. So, I definitely understand his feelings from that point of view. I thought it was interesting because we assumed that he was going to get traded before he would show up for camp. But obviously that did not happen, uh, which, you know, ultimately I think that's is probably for the best. I mean, I don't think the Packers made it clear they weren't going to trade him. You know, even though he wanted to leave, you know, he, he just didn't, uh, you know, get that kind of request. So I feel like for him, he there there's no reason for him, I think, because I think we all know that he's not going to be here past this year. You know, he's going to be gone next year. And it seems like the Packers are willing to let him just walk away or, you know, decide whatever they're going to decide to do. But I think it was I thought it was interesting that he laid out on the line and, and you know, gave his true feelings about the situation because I also think that he wanted to, you know, address some of the things that have been said about him, you know, over the summer, you know, saying he's like, you know, all he wants to do is bring drama and all these things they were talking about him and, you know, kind of the negative things directed towards him because he, he probably just wanted to clear the air one and then two, you know, let him know his true feelings so he doesn't get misconstrued. He doesn't you know, what he said doesn't get taken out of context. Just give him straight how he feels and, you know, just go about his business. You know, that's, you know, that's, that's pretty much what he does. I mean, he, he just goes about his business, you know, even though there's a lot of things all the time circulating around his name. But I thought it was, it was a cool moment that you saw a player that was, we knew he was displeased with the organization, but actually saying it and voicing that, I think that was, it was pretty cool because, you don't normally get that from athletes. They say it after their careers or they say it after they leave a team and it comes off as bitter or whatever, you know, but he was able to, to say his true feelings and, and I got to respect that. I love how Rogers, like you were saying, was upfront, open about the whole situation. Um, I think we need, I would love to see more players do that. I know, like they're taking advice from agents and their representatives and all that. And I get that. Um, I want to see more transparency with 
quarterbacks and um, just in general and maybe other star players around the league, um, especially if um, some players are being highlighted that aren't necessarily stars, but are players that can get that can be impactful players on the team that have good games and or like like having a situation not similar to this, but like a situation as to okay, I want to get paid, but their the team is not w- really w- uh, like willing to pay me more money. I'm talking to you, Xavier, Xavier and Howard. Um, no disrespect, but um, you know it. And some people, I, I've seen some comparisons on Twitter. Maybe it was just me comparing this situation to the Rogers situation to Howard's situation. Howard's situation is just about the money. It's about getting paid more than his teammate Byron Jones, who some may argue, and I have said before that Byron Jones could be a better corner than uh, than Xavier Howard. Um, and you know, Howard requested a trade today. We all know that. Um, was it today? It's just it's been a long day. <laughs> I can't. Um, I thought it was yesterday, maybe was it like yesterday? yesterday evening. I I could be wrong, but I feel like I it think was... it was. I think it was yesterday evening that he did. I can check it real quick though. Like yeah, it was, it was. It was yesterday. It was, it was yesterday. like yesterday around eight that he released a statement. Damn, man! It just to tell you how crazy the last few days in this entire week it's been like we were saying earlier but anyways when when comparing both situations Howard is about the money Rogers is just wanting respect and more input with your organization and what Rogers was saying was exactly that he just wanted transparency from the organization he wanted to have his input on um, some of the some of the organi- organization's decisions when it came to personnel on the roster, i.e., like uh, Jake uh, Jake Kumarov, um, who was who had a great chemistry with Rogers before they before the Packers decided to cut him um, it, during training camp, I think it was like a year or so ago, um, and and also like them not really letting Rogers know ahead of time, like hey we may end up drafting a quarterback here in the first round of the 2020 draft, um, a.k.a. Jordan Love. Um, And there was no transparency or conversation between Rodgers and the front office. So um, at that time, so the fact that the Packers front office, uh, CEO Mark Murphy and general manager Brian uh, Guttenkutz, um, weren't up front with him with Rogers coming when it came, when it came to the personnel decisions with how much Rogers meant and means to the organization plus the impact he has in that community and all over the country from a football perspective it's questionable at best with how the Packers have handled this um, if this is Rodgers, if this is truly Rodgers' last season in Green Bay and maybe even playing football altogether, 
because there's been some speculation that he may do it. And Rogers, of course, in the press conference said he thought about it. So there's maybe some part of him in there that's like, if I win a Super Bowl this year, I can ride off into the sunset and retire and still be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, because, I mean, he, he did talk to, like, Charles uh, Woodson, Packer Great, um, and, like, other guys like Jory Nelson about um, how retirement's been for them. And there is, like, this last dance vibe coming into the season. They're bringing, they're bringing back Randall Cobb, a key piece for Aaron Rodgers a few, year, few years ago when Mike McCarthy and Rodgers were really a great combo and the Packers were dominating the NFC North every year. Um, so the way I see it right now, I would not be surprised to see Rodgers hoisting the Lombardi Trophy come February in Los Angeles. Um, I, I think Rogers for house, he deserves to go out there, dominate again this year, possibly win league MVP again, and just say to the front office after they decide to let him go, he's like, ha ha, fuck you. Simple as that. You can bleep that out if you want. Um, <laughs> sort of language, but I mean, it, it's, it's like that. It's like that between Aaron Rodgers and Mark Murphy, Brian Gutenkiss. You know, it's that's how it's been all summer long. That's how it's been since the 2021 draft, since the 2020 offseason. You know? So I think Rodgers is like, I want to come back and play with my team in front of the fans. With my teammates, I want to go out there, try to get to the Super Bowl win the Super Bowl. But I do not I do not give a damn anymore about the front office. I'm done. That's basically what he's saying. And there's one quote that really stuck out to me and um I highlighted it here in my notes um from Rogers quote You can't compare the last years of Favre's career and compare them to mine. Um and I, I think that's very that's a great way of saying my time in Green Bay is totally different from what Favre's was. Favre basically came in as a backup and took over the league, um, won multiple MVPs, won a Super Bowl, um, and retired a couple times before then going to the Vikings uh, or the Jets and then the Vikings or vice versa. Um, Rodgers was drafted by Green Bay, first round sat behind Favre. Then once Favre left, retired, whatever, Rodgers came in, dominated from the get-go. Rodgers is now in a situation where that he can do whatever he wants after this season. He can play another year with a new team. Could that be Denver? We don't know. Could that be with Whoever, I mean, I, I don't know off anyone else off the top of my head. Um, like, could it be Denver? Or could he be like, eh, I'm done. I'm going to retire. I've done enough. Won my second Super Bowl. Have all these records. Uh, I'm the most physically gifted quarterback to come through the dra- come through the league um, or play in the league since Dan Marino for a full career span. I'm good. I'll go ahead and retire. So, 
you know, I, I, I'm very curious as to what happens with the Packers front office over the next couple of years. Um, because I don't think they're going to get credited with trying to really say, oh, well, we're the reason why this team is going, won the Super Bowl in 2021. The reason you guys won the Super Bowl in 2021 was you guys already had homegrown talent on the roster, such as Aaron Rodgers and such as Devontae Adams and such as Jahari Alexander. You know, they, they have guys that they have grown really like really put like Rogers, Adams, Alexander, like those are the guys that are the co- true cornerstones of the franchise. David Bakhtiari, Bakhtiari, can't pronounce his last name right, but they have so many cornerstones on that team that they have grown on this roster for years, and now they're at the pinnacle where they have to win this year. Because Rodgers will probably not be back. And we do not know what Jordan Love is going to look like. Our first glimpse of Jordan Love playing in a in live-action NFL football games will be this preseason. So, you know, it, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now. I'm very curious to see what happens. Yeah, I mean... I. <laughs> I don't. I don't expect this. Is probably it's probably gonna die down. You know, in a few weeks. I mean, obviously with him coming back and you know, pretty much you know, taking away all the possibilities of a trade this year. I think that was kind of the the main thing. Obviously, the press conference he had today, but I don't really expect any other big things from the Packers probably throughout the rest of preseason. You know, until you know we see him week one and, and get into the season. So. You know, like I was saying earlier, I think it was interesting to see kind of, uh, you know, him open up about, you know, how he felt, you know, some of the front office's decisions that they've made where he didn't agree with them and they didn't even really consult him, you know, which you would think, you know, you have a, the best, one of the best quarterbacks in the world, uh, you know, at least talent wise and just in general. I mean, Ever since it, ever since he won the Super Bowl, you know he's he's been the top two or three quarterback in this league. So, you know it's 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 mind boggling that the organization you know continues to to make moves that aren't in the the best interest of him and just in general. But we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I definitely expect there to be more risks with the organization, especially if the Packers struggle this season uh, and and don't look as good as we think they might. You're definitely going to hear from Rodgers, you know, and some of his grievances. So it'll be interesting to monitor and see what happens over the course of the season. Um, so with Rodgers, do you think now that Rodgers is playing this season, do you think the Packers should be the favorite to win the Super Bowl from at least the NFC? Not the league in general, but just from out of the NFC. Should they be? I, I, to... I don't think so. I think the Bucks are still really good, uh, and they pretty much brought everyone back from last year. Um, and they played head to head in the playoffs, you know. And and the Bucks were just a better team in general, um, which you know is is no fault to to Green Bay and what they've done. But the Bucks just have a better roster. Yeah. Um, and that's just as simple as that. You know, they, they're more complete. 
They have better continuity. Uh, they're bringing back almost everybody from last year. They're adding more pieces as well. I think the Bucks should still be the favorites, and I maybe give Green Bay the third or fourth because I think the 49ers are going to come back with a vengeance this year. And, um, you know, if they get their quarterback situation figured out, they could be right up there once again. So I think the Packers are in the discussion, but I don't think based on the rosters and, and kind of the continuity, I, I mean, they still don't have a true number two yet. You know, you would hope Amari Rogers blossoms into that role eventually. You would hope maybe Randall Cobbs who has a little left in the tank. But, you know, there's still some questions about that. Defensive questions as well. So I, I think the Bucks are still the clear favorite in, in the NFC to, to win it, to repeat and win again. I agree, but I, I could see Rogers, you know, having an ungodly season. You know, just like the attitude he has right now, I'm like, I would not want to play him. I would not want to play him with him being this pissed off. I wouldn't want to do it. Nope. If Rodgers is on his A game, good luck. I'll just say that good luck. Um, And, and you know, I, I have a feeling we'll probably see Green Bay matching up against Tampa Bay in the playoffs, whether that's the wild card round or whether that's in uh, the divisional round or the conference championship, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. But um, I think I'm with you. Um, I I do think that the Packers are probably at best, at best they're, I mean, of course, at best they're a one seed, but like at worst they're fourth seed. Unless somehow Minnesota somehow just like, oh, we're going to be good this year. And or Justin Fields just ends up going crazy and helps lead the Bears to the playoffs. I mean, you just don't know. But not saying that's going to happen. I doubt that happens. But, you know, anything can happen. Um, There's something that went down in the blue chip scouting group chat earlier today. Um, Kind of my fault. Um, and I, I do need to address it. it. It's nothing bad. It's nothing bad. It's nothing that's going to cause drama. Um, but it's about a player that, of course, everyone already knows that I idolize and have supported and defended for my time as a football fan, let's just say. Um we're we're going to talk about Cam Newton this evening, Devin. I'm sorry. I I mean we talked about it earlier today, but like I, I told you ahead of time, like I gotta get stuff off my chest, you know. Hey, so here's the thing. I tweeted out earlier today, um, probably this morning, um, because the Patriots were starting training camp today, so that means we were going to see Cam Newton. Uh, participate in front of fans, in front of media, most of the media for the first time um, ever, basically, because really no one was really able to attend training camp last year because of the COVID-19 pandemic, which is still ongoing and getting worse again, sadly. Um, But, you know, this is the first time we're seeing Cam Newton really in front of a crowd, seeing how they react, all that. Um, And I tweeted out, you know, if somehow, you know, 
Cam Newton were to somehow, some way, if he's really truly falling off and Mac Jones ends up ends up winning the starting job, I'll be like, I will totally accept Newton has fallen off and I will be at peace because he is still my guy, still the guy that got me into football in the first place, and I will fully accept that and I will take back everything I've said about Cam, about him being Oh, he he's actually – he was a lot better than he was last year, all that, blah, 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 like all the stuff I've been saying all offseason throughout, throughout last season as well. Um, and then, of course, I was like, you know, I don't expect Newton to lose the starting job. I don't think he will, and I very highly doubt he will do so because, um, I mean, of course, it's a training clamp training camp clip, but um, if you saw earlier today, he just threaded an absolute dart to Nikhil Harry in, I think, like the left corner of the end zone, and it was a beauty. Like, classic Cam Newton threading the needle, tight spaces with incredible velocity and strength, Cam Newton throwing the football. So, you know, and now Tyler Browning, our our boss for Blue Chip Scouting, he's going to be writing a little piece about Cam Newton, his 2015 season, and where he, quote-unquote, fell off between that season and this past year. So I'm very, I'm really going to be interested in seeing that article. Um, I'm actually looking forward to it because I want to see what his, in his eyes, what he saw from Cam from the 2015 to the 2020 and then finding which year he really, like, quote-unquote, fell off. But I just want to know your thoughts on this, Devin. What are your expectations for Cam Newton to come coming into the season? Are you expecting improvement? What, because of the situation he currently is right now, it's basically a make it or break it year again. Yeah, I think, I think, um, I think it's going to depend a lot on, how much they incorporate him into the run aspect of the offense because I feel like he is at his best when he can do a little bit of both. Because if you make him a drawback passer, he's capable, but I don't think that based on how their offense is built, you need, you're going to need production from the run game, you know? So, if he's a threat in the run game, I think that will be make help their run game in general. That was pretty bad last year, uh, to say the least. Um, and then obviously adding weapons like Hunter Henry, John Smith, uh, you know, Nelson Aguilar, you know, some other guys as well. Um, I expect him to have a better season, but to me, I just don't know if he's going to start every game only because I don't know how good this team will actually be if that makes sense you know so that's fair it's it's kind of tough because like you know like you I I respect Cam you know I actually got to meet him he's an awesome dude uh love watching him play at Auburn and obviously for the Panthers for a number of years I will say though I think it's got it's got to be a make or break season for him because you don't take a first round quarterback if you don't plan on playing them at some point in the near future. So I, I know that he can, he has, he still has 
juice in his arm. He still has the talent and whatnot, but he's going to be under a heavy microscope. And if things start going south for New England, that's when you can see you might see him get pulled and then eventually just replaced, which would suck. But that's kind of been the mo with with teams. You know, they if you take a first round quarterback, the season just starts going south. You, you give you give the first round quarterback a chance. You know, there's only been a few, very few situations where the opposite has happened. Like the Miami situation was an anomaly last year because they were playing well with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm, but they decided to go with Tua, you know, halfway into the season. So to me, I, it's not going to get any easier for him because every single throw is going to be still under a microscope. It's still going, going to be uh, heavily criticized or, you know, minimally praised. Because, you know, it, it's just the nature of that's what happens when you take a first round quarterback. You know, it, it it's just the reality of the situation. So I think he's going to look better. I mean, it, I think it's going to be easy to look better than he did last year because it I mean, he was dealing with covid a new offense. You know, the weapons weren't as good. You know, it just didn't, the offense just did not look good last year. It, it simply put, but now they got a full training camp to get kind of build some timing, whatnot. But if Mac Jones is practicing well, I mean, it's going to be hard for them to stave off him for long because Mac Jones is more their prototypical quarterback in that offense. You know, they, they, they're not used to having skill sets like Cam Newton on their offense. So. I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm, I'm just a little worried because if, if they don't look good early on, you know, if they just don't look like the team that we, we maybe expected, you know, Cam Noon might, you might even see in season trade for him. You know, it, it could, a lot of wild things could happen if, if the season doesn't go, it's expected for him. So I think he's gonna look better this year, uh, in conclusion. Um, I think, you know, he's, he's just gonna be a better player overall, but, I, I just don't know how good the team will be because the defense needs some a little bit of retooling. Uh, you know, the offensive line is start is, is you know they're they're starting to get some consistent guys. Obviously, you know they they had the group last year that did solid, but it's really going to come down to can can he get on target with his receivers because you know now it's, it's going to be a point where the, you you really can't make too many you know excuses or, or try to or reasons that he he should stay if. If he can't produce, you know, kind of with this offense, because, I mean, they're not going to get any – they're not going to improve any, you know. <laughs> they're not going to go out and trade for a, a, a top-tier receiver or anything like that because that's just not how they operate. So, you know, if he can't get on the same page with the guys he has now and, and just doesn't look uh, any more accurate than he did last year, then, like I said, you can see Mac Jones, you know, at some point in the season, and that could smell doom of his time uh, for New England. I don't disagree. Um, and, of course, that will come as surprising for, like, a bunch of the guys in the group chat. Like, whoa, you're actually giving up on camp, blah, blah, blah. I'm not giving up on camp. Um, but I do agree with – I don't disagree with you, Devin. Um, I, I do think that if Newton does struggle um, and the team struggles early on, um, I, I Mac Jones will probably end up starting at some point. Um, and I, I'm just being realistic. So – but what what the Patriots did this offseason in terms of giving Newton better weapons to uh, like some weapons in the passing game to go to 
um, is they signed Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, um, uh, Juana Smith, um, Hunter, Hunter Henry. Um, so they, they did upgrade at, uh, both positions in some degree. Um, <clears throat> the receiver group for New England, it's still, it's not like, it's still, I would say just an average group, but it's a lot better than it was last year. Jacoby Myers, um, is going to be consistent now the slot. Kendrick Bourne, I think he's going to be a really nice receiver for him, be able to break out, maybe, um, provide some separation um, in the passing game. Um, Nelson Aguilar will most definitely be Cam Newton's deep threat downfield. Um, they brought Aguilar in to be that deep threat that they, the big, the deep ball that they were kind of missing last year. Um, and the statistic I've seen in the past is that, <clears throat> excuse me, is that Cam, is that when Cam Newton was throwing downfield, he was, I think, accurate 76% of the time or something like that, but it was only on, like, 20 attempts. So they weren't throwing the deep ball a lot, but it still showed that when they did, they were successful. So I think bringing in a good deep threat like Nelson Aguilar, um, who was a really nice deep threat for the Raiders last year, um, I think bringing him in would be nice for that play-action um, deep oh, – um, deep play action, uh, the way they they were doing it a little bit last year before everything really fell off. Um, I think that's going to really benefit Cam. I think also having two really reliable and good tight ends on the roster, like Hunter Henry and John Smith, I think that helps Newton out a lot because he did have that Greg Olson last year. Having two types of two different types of tight ends and two Greg Olson's on the roster, essentially, that's kind of big for Newton because he's got two security blankets that he can go to up the seam. And I think that's what was really missing from Newton in his arsenal was he didn't have that security blanket. Jacoby Myers was kind of that, but he wasn't <clears> – <throat> he, he was fine, but he wasn't that true, you know, blanket, security blanket for Newton. Um so the flashes we saw of Newton last year and also before he had COVID, um, they were good. Um, Newton, the, the three games he, he was playing before he got COVID and missed that Chiefs game um, and then struggled throughout the rest of the season, um, he, he was playing good football. He had a great game against Seattle. And I know people were like, oh, Seattle had the bad defense. But when someone has a great game like Cam Newton did, it, it doesn't go unnoticed. And if – Newton was able to win that game. That game would have been that would have changed the whole um, the whole outlook for the season. Maybe Cam doesn't get COVID or something like that. Who knows? But it, it it's really going to be interesting to see if Cam Newton has will improve throughout the season or will improve as soon as he gets onto the field. Um, I heard some good reports from Newton today um, about how well he did in the first training camp session of the year. Um, I'm ex- and like it was, he, he had the better day than Mac Jones. Mac Jones had some struggles. Newton was um, pretty solid throughout the day. Um, so I'm, I'm expecting improvement from Newton. Um, and that's what I really want to see is him just improving from last year. Um, if he's able to completely flip that 
touchdown to interception ratio from last year and still produce um, in uh, in the run game like he did last year. Um, I think he had like 12 rushing touchdowns last year. Um, if he's able to, to continue to be great in that area and improves in the passing game with the better weapons that he has, a better roster around him, um, a better offensive line, hopefully it's healthy this time around. I think I'm, I'm – I think we're going to see a much improved Cam Newton. And I think we're going to see New England surprise some folks and maybe make a run at um, a wild card spot for the NFC because, of course, they won't have to deal with the Dolphins, the Chargers, um, the Ravens, um, Tennessee, and Indianapolis, possibly maybe Pittsburgh. I don't know. Um, if their defense really is that good and can really help them out, I don't know. But um, it, it's going to be a tough race for the Patriots to try and make, uh, trying to get a wild card spot. And I'm really hoping that Cam Newton can improve. I think that's just a lot of us Cam Newton supporters. They, we just want to see progression and him improve. If he can be the player he was before he got COVID, which was a good player, um, in the first three games of the season, I think the Patriots are going to be in just fine. I think Cam Newton will be just fine and I think we'll, the Mac Jones experience will be put on hold for maybe at least a season. Um, you know, Cam Newton's future is very unknown right now because we don't know what he's going to look like on the field. We're just going to have to wait and see. If Mac Jones ends up starting at some points because Cam Newton didn't really improve, he has definitely fallen off and that is the end of the Cam Newton era in the NFL. Simple as that. Um, so, again, we'll have to just wait and see what we see on the field. We're going to have to just see what happens throughout training camp. Newton continues to progress in training camp. Um, I think that's a good sign for Newton and the Patriots. Um, and that's also a good sign for me because that means my guy is going to be playing at a high level, hopefully again next year. Uh, or this upcoming season. So I, I'm looking forward to the season. I'm cautiously optimistic about Newton's season. So that that's kind of where I am right now. Yeah. Like I was saying earlier, I think, you know, like I said, he's going to improve. But like I said, we'll just have to see um, kind of what happens, you know, how the season materializes. Because like I said, you know, if they're losing – you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, larger crowd, even though it may not be on the quarterback, you know, how things go when, when teams start losing and you yeah. know, they, they want to make some sort of change or whatnot. So, you know, hopefully he can at least make it through the season without, you know, having to get benched or, you know, replaced or anything. Because, um, you know, obviously you don't want to see him go out like that, but. I mean, if this doesn't work out, and like you said, it, it could be the end of him at least being a starting quarterback in the NFL at the very least. You know, I think he's still be on somebody's roster, but yeah, you know, I think think that could really you know kind of derail the rest of his career, and he, he might just either have to retire or just accept that you know a, a different role on the team, which would suck because you know he's spent a lot of his years that. You know, he could have still been his prime injured. So it it just kind of sucks. I blame the Panthers front office and Kelvin Benjamin for screwing all that up. So shout out to to those guys. And Kelvin Benjamin, shout out to him for getting cut by the Giants today after a little outburst with uh, 
Joe Judge and uh, Dave Gettleman. Very nice. Hope he had some Popeyes after. <laughs> really hoping. Popeyes are good. Popeyes is good. I'll just say that. It's good. That fried that fried chicken. Woo-wee. Love it. Love it, love it. All right. So to end the podcast, Devin and I are going to talk about a prospect we've watched lately. So I'll go ahead and let Devin um, take over and talk about his most recent prospects that he has watched. So now he is covering the Mountain West. The is it the Mountain West and um, Mac. Mac? The Mac, um, the good old Mac Conference. Gotta love it. Yeah, baby. Um, and by the way, I will be in the scouting meeting this weekend, so that should be fun. Um, I, I, I do plan on watching a few more prospects. I want to just share what um, who I've been watching, who I who I like so far this process. Um, so I'll be in that scouting meeting. But anyways, Devin, the floor is yours, my guy. Yeah, so like you said, I'm covering the Mountain West and Mac. Uh, so some of these names might not be as familiar as some of the Power 5 names, uh, but, you know, it's, it's part of the reason I'm doing it and make people kind of aware of some of the better prospects in, in the Mount, Mac and Mountain West. Um, but recently I've been watching uh, San Jose Titan, San Jose State tied in uh Derek Beast Jr. Uh he is the son of former uh San Francisco 49ers offensive lineman Derek Beast for those uh who may know him or or you know kind of older fans of the NFL. Um so first thing that kind of stands out to me when I'm watching him is his size. He's like six five, two forty, like very long, you know, kind of long limb athlete. And it kind of shows in in how he kind of attacks in this game. You know, he's not uh, a very over-explosive athlete. He's someone that runs with his strides, you know, and, and really, you know, covers a lot of ground in a short amount of time uh, with his strides and, and just and whatnot. But what I notice is that he gets off the ball a little bit quicker from the slot rather than being uh, in line or, or F tight end. Uh, and I want to give a shout, quick shout out to Jordan Reed because I've been listening to his podcast uh, and, you know, I, I'm trying to use some of the, the terms a little bit more, uh, in, in general when talking about tight ends, you know, it's F move tight end, Y tight end, uh, whatnot. So I'm trying to, uh, you know, incorporate that more into my scouting, uh, kind of knowledge and whatnot. But he's more of a F, uh, tight end where he's mainly lined up off the ball, uh, like in, in that kind of H back set. Um, you know, he spends a lot of time in the slot as well, but I saw significant progress from him in terms of just his play speed from 2019 to 2020. I felt like 2019, he, like I said, he's not very explosive. I think he ran, uh, maybe a four, six or four, seven out of high school. So he's not a blazing tight end. He's not a Kyle Pitts type of tight end. Uh, but he does have extraordinary size. Uh, and that's very prevalent when you throw him the ball. Because there were times he went above the rim. I think this one highlight catch he had was against um, against San Diego State uh, last year, where he went up and snagged one-handed uh, catch on a screen pass, took on uh, a hit, uh, bounced off the guy, and, and got another five, six yards. So that was kind of the highlight play for me. And his route running definitely improved for 2019 to 2020 because uh, I finished up watching some 2019 film on him last night uh against fresno state and he just seemed very kind of 
a step slow off the ball, a step slow into his route. So I saw some improvement in 2020 where he's getting off the ball quicker. He's getting into his routes quicker. Uh, and, and he shows a, a nice catch, catch radius uh, as well. Like I say, he has extraordinary size, uh, someone that uh, I've, I've really liked uh, kind of from my viewing. I don't think he's going to get a, a, a too high of a grade on, uh, you know, just in general. But I, I think he um, could do a little bit better in, in terms of getting that route running nuance. Uh, blocking is not a, a huge thing for him either. He can double, you know, be a blocker on double teams and whatnot, but he's not going to be dependent on uh, to be an every down tight end where he blocks and whatnot. So I, I think that's going to be uh, something that, it's going to be a bit of a, you know, kind of hard projection for him, which is probably why he'll probably be a day three selection because he doesn't bring that upside as a blocker. Uh, but in general, I, I like what I saw from his game. Uh, I think he's, he has decent speed, but I, I don't expect him to, to, you know, beat people over the top. But his size will be very, very, um, you know, intriguing for, for scouts in, in NFL roster, well, NFL personnel. Because uh, you can use him, especially in goal line situations. That's where he really thrived at in the game. Uh, you know, against uh, he had a nice uh, touchdown against San Diego State, where he ran uh, basically a, a five yard in at the goal line, used his body to box out the defender and caught the ball. Uh, did something similar to that uh, against Boise State, and then there was another play uh, in the corner end zone where he showed great body control and, and contest contested catch ability. So he's going to be someone that's used kind of in the short and intermediate passing games, I would think. He, he shows some ability to get down the scene, but he's not, like I say, he's not going to, you know, uh, run past anybody. But he does have that, that nice frame and, and catchability. I'm going to finish up his write-up tonight, probably going to give him a fifth or sixth round grade uh, just based on some of his play speed, lack, and explosiveness. But a uh, really good player. I uh, think he can be a, a really solid depth piece and potential tight end two or three in the offense where he's used more of a matchup role as opposed to every down tight end. I watched um, last night, I think, um, UCLA offensive tackle Sean Ryan. Um, he's um, quiet. He is slowly becoming one of the favorite offensive tackles in um, this, I would, maybe I would say under, um, underwhelming offensive tackle group. It's not as good as it's been as, as it's been in the past couple of years. Um, so Sean Ryan, UCLA offensive tackle, um, he was the first offensive tackle I have studied, um, for summer scouting. And he is in fact very good. Um, Ryan Roberts, who was on the live stream Monday night, um, he, he, was raving about him at the end at the end of the stream. Um, he's been a big fan of his for a while. I know Corey Keenan is a big fan of his. Um, so I, I was like, you know what? If I want to start watching offensive linemen, this is where I start. I'll start watching with Sean Ryan. Let me tell you, like I said, he's very good. Um, to to my surprise, I know um, Andrew Harbaugh, who was our Pac-12 scout. Um, for for our scouting for our scouting department, um, I know he wasn't a, the biggest fan of his, but I am a big fan of Sean Ryan. Um, he's six five three eighteen. He's got good size, good length. 
Um, his reported 40 time at that size is a five flat. He's got great functional athleticism. Um, he's got incredible movement skills for his size and for the position. Um, he, he's got some really nice, he's got some good footwork, um, and pretty quick with his footwork and able to really, um, use that quickness to mirror oncoming rushers. Uh, and yeah, that, that, that was one of the more, that was one of the things that really stood out to me from, um, from watching him last night and, or throughout the day yesterday. He's also got great strength and power in that lower half. Like he drives out the ball and really just stonewalls guys. Um, I posted a clip on Twitter last night of him, um, uh, pulling and then just stonewalling the guy coming out of C gap, just stopping him right in his tracks and just opening up a little small gap, um, for his running back. Um, he's got great balance and body control. Um, he's able to, um, and that balance and that control really, whenever a good offensive tackle has good balance and good body control, that allows them to really, um, do a lot better against, uh, more athletic pass rushers. Um, and so he was able to do that consistently, um, from what I saw. His pass sets, um, from what I saw, they, they flashed, they were really nice. Um, his foot cadence was consistent. He did a good job with mirroring himself with the oncoming rushers. Um, he has really good, um, strength in the midsection, um, as well as he's pretty flexible as well. He's got good bend, um, bend of the knees. He's got good anchors, um, really impressive, um, at the point of attack as well. Um, he can really drive defenders back, um, and into the ground. Um, when, whenever, his, his hand, his hand placement and hand usage, um, was really, really nice. He was able to latch onto defenders and also latch them down to the ground. Um, he's got good, strong grip and, um, and throws some big punches, um, whenever he's able to get his strikes. Um, and he's got some nice football IQ. Um, he knows and understands how to latch onto defenders. Um, and also while he, could be a successful tackle at the next level. Um, I would not be surprised if a team decided to leave for the wrong reasons, move Ryan to guard. You know, he's got the athleticism. He's got the flexibility. He's got the IQ. He's got the speed. He's got the foot speed to um, transition to um, playing guard. I'm not sure if that will really work out, but – uh, we'll just have to wait and see. He does a nice job of closing up gaps and um, sealing the edge, um, flash some nice awareness with his um, stunts and twists um, and passing him on to um, his fellow lineman. Um, so I was really impressed with that. I only had a couple things down that I wasn't really impressed with. Um, there, there were some times where he did, um, when I say he flashed uh, with his pass sets, um, he was good, but it wasn't as as I would like. Um, and his, his pass protection overall, um, it, it needs some work, but I think it's just because he he has some laps uh, when it comes to his sets. Um, sometimes his foot cadence um, can get out of whack, but it's over. It's consistent overall. He's missing um, assignments on some blitzes. Um, I'd like to see him. 
have some better angles um, at the second level. He missed um, quite a few um, good angles um, when going to the, when moving to the second level in the run game. Um, his hand his hand usage, I think, it's good. Um, like I said before, but I think there are times where he can just get lazy. And his hand usage just kind of goes all over the place, and he starts grabbing outside instead of trying to get his hands inside the pads, um, um, trying to get his hands inside um, to the chest and instead of just grabbing on, latching on outside. He's kind of grabbing. He's, he's kind of doing this sometimes instead of this, and I think that's something he'll need to work on. Um, or I'm hoping he has worked on this offseason and he can improve uh, for next offseason. Ryan Roberts mentioned um, Jedrick Wills as kind of a comparison, uh, just in terms of um, like his balance, his body control, his footwork, um, his athleticism, uh, his size and his length. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to be the, he's the tackle that Wills is or uh, Jedrick Wills was um, coming out because he was my highest-graded offensive tackle um, ever before um, Panay Sewell came around, of course. But I really like Sean Ryan, and um, so I'm looking at my board here. Um, he got a 89 film grade for me, which is a first-round value grade for us at Blue Chips Guy, um, and is currently my second-highest-graded um, offensive player in this class um, behind Garrett Wilson so far. Um, I don't expect um, anyone to really top Wilson as my top offensive player um, because just of what I've heard about um, this draft class overall, there aren't a lot of like true first round talents that like are like, Oh, this guy is more than likely going to be a first-round pick next year. There there aren't a lot of guys that I feel like could be that um, in this class. But I think Sean Ryan is definitely one of those. Um, I know some will be higher and some will be lower on him, but I think Sean Ryan, if he can improve in some areas next year, he is going to be arguably the best offensive tackle coming into the 2022 draft. So that's my take on Sean Ryan. All right, guys. Um, Devin, do you have anything else you want to add? Do you have anything you want to talk about? Um, you want to mention stuff that's been going on with Game Pass? I mean, it's kind of you know just kind of throwing it out yeah, there. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm. I'm not gonna comment too much on that because I mean, it, it just the reality is the situation that you know it just sucks. You know, because there's a lot of people, uh, you know, kind of get ready for the season and they kind of rely on Game Pass to to be able to uh, evaluate. So. Like I said, I'm not gonna comment too much on that. Um, you know, just I'm uh excited. I know that uh, you know, like I said, we're about they were like a month away from, from college football starting up. We're yep. about a month away now. So I'm definitely excited for that coming up. I'm excited for the blue chip scouting uh, you know, cross checks when we start doing that. I'm yep. gonna be excited to watch some of the the top prospects from hopefully a power five conference. Dante Colinelli, if you're listening, like get me on the Power Five conference. Um, but <laughs> but uh, uh, definitely excited to do that. Watch some of the top guys. Uh, you know, kind of been keeping up with people. Um, you know, some some of the other prospects people have been talking about. Uh, so excited to to get into those. 
but yeah, I mean, you know, I'm going to be writing my report on Caleb LB this week because uh, he, since he's in my conference now, I can can actually uh, evaluate him, uh, you know, through through kind of our scale. So it'll be interesting to see how that comes out because uh, he'll probably be probably tomorrow or Friday, one of those days. Uh, we'll see what happens. I, I got to finish up my Derek Deese uh, scouting report, um, you know, get that out for tomorrow. So we'll see. Uh, maybe I'll have it done in time for tomorrow's live show. Uh, we'll see what happens with that though. Uh, but definitely going to watch him this week. Very excited. Uh, I know, you know, a lot of people are, are very big fans of this game. Corey Kennan being one of them. Uh, so we'll see what happens, uh, when, when I actually get to put the film on. And he'll probably be, he's going to easily be the highest Mac player for me. Highest, uh, graded one. And it's, it's probably not even going to be close, I think. Uh, but we'll see what happens. I don't have really anything else to add other than uh, Dante is going to grief you in the group chat once he finds it, once I tell him to get to this point in the in the in the podcast in this episode. So good luck, Devin. Um, and also, I want to say to the NFL, thank you for ruining Game Pass. Really appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you guys on the live stream. Peace. <laughs>